All right, here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Driving Theology. Uh, this is Mike, and you are joining me on my way to work on this uh, somewhat overcast Wednesday. We had a little rain yesterday. Um, a little nice weather and a little rain as well, so it's kind of an interesting combination. <clears throat> of weather and uh, as per usual I might be a little bit extra sniffly today I don't know mornings are always like that for me I suffer from allergies and this time of year we've got uh, pigweed pigweed is an invasive species as you Americans probably know that exists in America that made its way to Japan not that long ago but it's pretty much taken over the world <laughs> more or less Let's just found, let's just say it's found a home here. Uh, I see it everywhere. I live in the country, of course, and I see you know whole fields of it more or less if they haven't been cut down of the blooming yellow triangular flower uh, that releases pollen this time of year. Uh, here in Japan, they call it butaksa, which is just exactly a translation of pigweed. Um, it's exactly what it means. So. Yeah, but it's kind of a nice, nice day today, I guess, for autumn. You know, it's a typical autumn day. A little warmer, maybe because of the humidity from the rain. It's not as cold as it's been the last several days. Um, but yeah, it should be a nice day today. It should be a fine day. A fine day indeed. Well, let's see. Man, I had kind of a subject that I wanted to talk about. And it stemmed from a <clears throat> something I was reading on Facebook before I went to bed last night. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's just going to uh, evade me. Um, I knew that I should make a note last night, but I was just so sleepy I went right to bed instead of making a note about something that maybe I should talk about today. But if I stop up here, I may look on my phone. Maybe I'll find what it was. I doubt it. I think I already looked through Facebook. So I probably won't be able to find it. I'm sure I've moved on from it. There have been some nice discussions in Facebook this week about uh, vaguely theological stuff. Um... And I think I talked about it, touched on, in fact, I did two podcasts last week, uh, on the same day last week, uh, talking about the subject of, um, uh, you know, of this, uh, podcast called Cultish and, um, yeah, podcast called, uh, podcast, podcast called Cultish and how they had done a an episode on the Churches of Christ and I started to listen to it but after just I don't know listen to a third I was just so worked up kind of got me really mad but last week I was able to get all the way through it and so I did one podcast after listening to just a little bit and then I followed that up with another podcast after finishing the whole uh, and by, by the end of it, I, I was a lot less offended about what they were saying. I, I still, 
uh, in general, <clears throat> in general, there there are quite a few things uh, that uh, that you know just, just their their foundational philosophy of Calvinism uh, still does not sit well with me. That's something that I don't think uh, will ever be resolved. I, I the more I read about Calvin, the less I like him, especially his theology. Um, and and uh, and <clears throat> some of the things they said were right on, were right spot on, and were things that that I agree with. So their problems was with uh, quote unquote Church Christ theology because no two churches have the same theology. I went through that, but no two people have the same theology. Uh, but with their problems with. Uh, Church Christ theology, a lot of it I agreed with. I just didn't agree with what they replaced it with, right? Um, they say there's a problem there, and I say, yes, there's a problem there, but then they say, this is how it should be. And that's why where I uh, almost to a point disagreed with them. Um, but I admit, my theology is a little bit out there. Um, it's a little bit too... It's a little bit too kind... <laughs> little bit too uh, soft for people who are insistent that we have a warrior God who who demands justice uh, for sin uh, as opposed to a loving God who has paid the price for sin right who has taken care of that for us um, and I think that's a big discrepancy, right? I think that's a, I think that's a foundational problem that, if not corrected, uh, will make you into a very, very unpleasant person, uh, and be uh, completely the opposite of Christ. <clears throat> I don't see how it could not be. And yet, I have to admit that the older I get, uh, the more and more cynical I seem to become. Uh, I seem to be less uh, optimistic about certain things. There, there is a crotchetiness that I can see kind of creeping into my uh, my my life. Part of it's you know that I've lived 52 years. I don't think I'm old enough to be a grumpy old man yet, but I can see myself getting grumpier and grumpier. <laughs> that's that's not something I want to be. I really have no reason to be grumpy because of who I believe Christ to be. Uh, and I really need to be reminded of that from time to time because life uh, in this, in this um, already but not yet kingdom of God is, is uh, just that. It's already but not yet. You know, it's, in, it's a process. Um, uh, even if I'm in the kingdom of God here, if I walk a couple steps that direction, I'm outside it, you know, kind of thing. There, there's a lot going on in the world that is not kingdom of God. And yet, you know, I see a lot of things that are, that are kingdom of God. And since I'm in a car, and this is called driving theology, let's talk about driving. You know, there, there are a lot of ways... get less noise in here. There are a lot of ways um, in the course of driving from point A to point B 
that you you can see either evidence of the kingdom of God or evidence uh, um, of a place where the kingdom of God is needed. Right? It's it's that simple. You know, when I when I drive past an aged person who's having a really hard time walking, uh, you know, who who struggles, who who's just you know trying hard to survive, I you know I can say a little prayer for them and and try try to you know just be a little empathetic in their plight, right? Age, age, and the uh, decay that age brings to your body, the atrophy, I believe is, is out, is outside the kingdom, right? That the, the kingdom of God is about eternal life, uh, and abundant life. And, and a lot of times, now you can't tell by just look at, so looking at someone's physical appearance, but a lot of times it doesn't look like uh, a lot of the people I see are living the abundant life, you know. Uh, if I see a driver who, who is especially rude um, and, and not courteous, right, uh, I see somebody who, who comes from a standpoint of... Um, You know, it's okay. It's okay to be. It's okay to get your way in the world, right? It's okay to demand that that you get what you need at the expense of other people, right? That other people are only there to to help you get what you think you deserve, or something like that, right? Um, <clears throat> it's not the only reason that could happen. You know, bad stuff could be happening in their life that day, or whatever, or bad relationships, or you know, they could be extremely sad and not, not rude. And you just, they're just kind of out of it. And that stuff happens, right? Uh, but then I see, you know, I, I, I really try to, I, I conscious, consciously try to be a kind driver in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I'm a fairly fast driver. I've, I've had my share of speeding tickets uh, in two countries, uh, <laughs> in, in two hemispheres, really. Uh, and I'm not, I haven't always been a patient driver. I, I enjoy driving. I enjoy driving fast. Like it's, it's something that's, I don't know, just a part of me. Now I don't drive extremely fast, but, uh, I'm always pushing the speed limit and probably a little over the speed limit. Almost always. Um, and I try to do it safely. So what that, what, what happens is I tend to be somebody who creeps up behind other people when you're on a you know, just a two-lane road it means I can I can be a tailgater if I'm not careful. Now, the funny thing about tailgating is, from the perspective of the person in front, almost everybody seems like a tailgater. But if you're behind, you have a little different view, and you never think that you're tailgating. Uh, but you know, I, I can tell by people's reactions at times that that maybe they've been intimidated by me being a little too close. And so now I actively try not to be that guy. If I creep up on somebody too quickly, uh, I try to, um, you know, give them space. All right, this is a good time to slow it down. Let's not make people uncomfortable kind of a thing, you know. Um, and I have to do that from time to time. I have to, I have to actively, you know, get myself to pull back. The other thing is I, I generally, you know, if somebody's stuck in a place and they're trying to get in or across the road uh, and traffic's too heavy, I'll generally try to stop and make a space where they can get to where they need to be. 
you know, in order to alleviate traffic a little better. Um, that's just something that I try to do. Like, I know that that's a, a kind thing to do. Um, <clears throat> not always good at it, and sometimes I miss opportunities, and, and I get a little ticked off. You might remember, if you listened to last week's uh, first podcast, because I did too, last week's first, first podcast, I get a little miffed at this road construction that I just went around again, that I keep forgetting is there. Um, it's really not a big deal. It doesn't cost me that much time. It's just, you know, I I have a little bit of a pet peeve with uh, the lack of road signs and preparation for you to take a different route when a route when a route is blocked. <clears throat> right in the states, I'm used to detours being very clearly marked uh, and you know easy to to find your route and stuff. Where in Japan, they're just kind of like, sorry. You're out of luck, it seems like to me. Now, it's probably not the case. could be that I'm just not reading the signs well or, you know, just not trying to learn about how that all works. Whoa, that bus is coming fast. Lady, you've got to go. Um, yeah, so I, I do get a little ticked off every once in a while, and I guess the last couple weeks has been a little stressful. Um with some stuff my goodness now I'm getting a little ticked off now because this lady's going 20 20 kilometers or maybe 10 kilometers under the speed limit <laughs> this is not going to be good for me <laughs> I'm going to have to pass her at some point I'll try not to get mad about it um anywho um yeah, because this will definitely make me late if she's going very far. Well, oftentimes they don't go far, these kinds of drivers. Um, last night, similar thing happened where I was really hoping for a little, you know, courtesy because I wanted to make a left turn and I was stuck in kind of rush hour traffic and this car just needed to inch up just a little bit, just a little bit, and I could have squeaked through it. I put in my turning signal and kind of hope that they would, you know, just be aware of what's going on, that they would, uh, you know, slide up just a bit so that I could be on my way and not have to wait at this long line of cars. Um, but no, no, the person could not be bothered, you know, believe that they, you know, they had a right to their space and kind of, you know, you know how it is. Anyway, and a lot of this Maybe in my head, maybe they didn't even notice, but it did get me worked up, right? One of those little things like that. Uh, and uh, so it's not that I, I'm always, I'm always um, trying to, th that I'm always successful at being a kind driver. <laughs> Certainly not the case. Definitely not the case. Um, but I do understand. Uh, uh, I do understand the importance of being a kind driver. You know, I understand that that is, that is a good thing to strive for. Uh, that when I do get upset, I shouldn't be doing that. And I should try to do better. You know, I'm totally going to buzz around this lady here. She's way too slow. Way too slow. Um... So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand that, uh, 
I understand that I shouldn't be like that necessarily. You know, that that's not a good way to be. Um, whereas used to, I think I would have justified it. You know, I would have, I would have um, thought that I was entitled to drive the way I want to drive, uh, and that everybody else is a bad driver on the road. Well, I think I've, I hope that I've grown a little bit to where I understand that no, that that's not necessarily the case. Everybody has a different perspective from their car, uh, and and some people are really good rule followers, and some are not, and that creates creates attention, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I totally understand that now. So I, I try to be a kinder driver, um, more, more understanding. Actually, when I, you know, this time of year is kind of stressful. We have a lot of events and things that go on this time of year all the time with our, our school. Uh, and so I'm probably a little shorter, uh, shorter tempered than I ought to be this time of year um, but I think I think Christ in me is is one of the um, is the reason why I could even begin to try to be a different driver I don't think I think generally people become more and more cynical drivers ruder and ruder like it trends the opposite direction although I could be wrong you know part of becoming old is about having more patience possibly um, but you know I don't want to be one of those drivers that you know everybody's afraid of or whatever I mean it's already kind of happens because I have a big car and I'm I've got a foreigner's face that <laughs> kind of already happens a little bit but <laughs> I should smile more probably when I drive look look like, look like a really I probably already look weird because I'm always talking to myself in this car while I'm recording this podcast <laughs> Anyway, man, where was I going with this? Um, yeah, so my point is, if, if, you, if you think that God can be an angry, tyrannical God, then on some level, you are going to excuse your angry and tyrannical ways, right? And anybody can be a tyrant, right? Anyone can be a tyrant. A tyrant is just the... You know, when you've got a little bit of authority, uh, you exercise it in an absolute way. So yeah, anybody can be a tyrant. Um, <clears throat> you just have to uh, have a little bit of authority and then exercise that authority in a unilateral way uh, to where you just have the, the kind of a, you know, attitude that it's got to be my way or the highway. You know, and, and I talked about this before, um, that a lot of people have an adolescent, um, petulant child view of God. They've made God into a childish monster in a lot of ways uh, through their theology of sovereignty. Um, but I want to reiterate that, you know, I believe it, that God is sovereign, you know, um, but I believe that God's sovereignty, the way that God exercises sovereignty, looks nothing like the way we would, right? God has every right to, you know, as the creator of the universe, as the author of the laws of physics, uh, as the model on which morality is based, I suppose 
uh, in some sense, he could have done whatever he wanted. But we have to remember that God is is a slave to his own nature. Um, and that sounds bad, but God's nature is so good that for him to be a slave to his own to his own nature is a very good thing. Right? And what I mean by that is he can't go against his own nature and he doesn't go again against his own nature. He never steps outside of being who he is. Uh, whereas we uh, often step outside of what we're meant to be. God never does. And I think that's what makes God such a wonderful... Um, I say God, I mean God in the person of Christ. Such a wonderful role model for us, you know, because that that's that's the epitome of integrity, that you never step outside of who you are meant to be and what you are meant to be. You're always true, right? You're always true, and God is always true to himself. So yes, God is sovereign, but God's God sovereignly chooses to exercise his sovereignty through serving us, through sacrificing for us, right? Uh, and, and by forgiving us. And so this is, this is what I think, you know, Calvin really missed uh, in his theology. He believed God was sovereign, but he thought God would exercise his sovereignty the way we do. And that's just not the case. Um, I'm stepping back into this podcast because I ran out of batteries again on the way here. And I didn't notice it. And all I recorded was 18 minutes. And so I missed probably another 18. Now I'm having to try to make up for it somehow. So it's the evening now. I recorded the first half in the morning. Now it's the evening. It's, I don't know, eight hours Eight hours later, uh, even more than eight hours later than uh, when I recorded it the first time. And so I'm having to remember what I said. And as you know, I don't really follow a script. Um, So this is probably going to go a completely different direction. Uh, So in the morning, uh, you know, I I, I re-listened to the part that I did record. So I kind of get a bit of a trajectory. But, you know, these things just take off on tangents. Uh, because of the the style of what I do, and I'm not even the same person this afternoon that I was this morning, you know. Uh, so it's hard to get back on that horse. Uh, but I'm going to get on a horse of some kind and try to finish up this podcast. Um, so Calvinism, uh, I, I did learn a few things. And, and there are a few things that I can support in Calvinism. And one of them is that Calvinists believe uh, that we have no part in salvation. No part. There's nothing we can do to be saved. Okay? I, I would agree with that. I would agree that we have zero part in our own salvation. Now, Paul does say, work out your own salvation... Uh, but but I think I think what that what that means to me is that that I I can I can figure out how it works out in my mind that that I have to put it into my own words, right? That salvation 
that is offered by Christ, um, I can work out in my own mind. And I should, right? I should somehow be able to talk about the salvation that Jesus gives us in my own words. It needs to be a part of me to the point where I can express it without just regurgitating scriptures uh, or something like that. Uh, And so I I agree with Calvin that we have zero part in our own salvation, Um, that, that that is all the work of Christ totally agree. The problem with is that, that Calvin only affords that grace to people who were predestined, who were pre-elected, uh, who he calls the elect. Well, I mean, the Bible calls the elect as well. That's where I disagree with him. I, I think, uh, yes, Jesus' salvation is freely given, but I think it's freely given to all, that Christ died for all. Uh, and I think this is a pretty important discrepancy. And you may be wondering, why am I doing three consecutive podcasts on Calvinism? What I, what I, in my study, and what I realized is, is that our my tradition comes out of Calvinism directly. Now it's a response somewhat to Calvinism, but there, but there are parts of Calvinism that remain, right? Uh, so Calvinism was born out of the Catholic Church, right, as the reformation or reforming of the church uh, in a way that, uh, at least in Calvin's mind, repairs the damages done by the Catholic Church on the true church. And so it, it, it um, reforms the church in a new way, okay? And so he reformed everything from the practices, the rituals, uh, the the liturgy, um, the music, um, and the theology. Right? It was a, basically a complete overhaul uh, of what it means to be church and what and what um, and what we think of who God is. Right. Uh, but my tradition, so uh, okay, so out of Cal- Calvinism has a couple different branches. The Scottish branch uh, is called Presbyterianism, the Presbyterian Church. Uh, and from the Presbyterian Church comes the founders of the uh, Restoration Movement, right? And that is uh, Alexander Campbell uh, and his father. Can't remember his father's name. Maybe John Campbell, John and Alexander Campbell, uh, and then another branch of uh, a very similar theology was Barton Stone. Okay, so it's called the Stone Campbell Movement. Uh, followers of Campbell's theology and eschat- uh, sorry, uh, ecclesiology and probably eschatology were called Campbellites for a long time, but eventually that became the uh, churches of Christ, the Disciples of Christ, and the Christian Church. Three different uh, branches. And then two of them, I believe, the Disciples of Christ uh, and the Church, Church, Church of Christ kind of became the same group. And then the Christian Church is the other one. So those are the two main groups today, the Churches of Christ and the Christian Church. And my family, which I talked about before, comes from the Churches of Christ. And so that's my tradition. But John Campbell, along with 
uh, sorry, not John Campbell, John Calvin, along with uh, especially um, Alexander Campbell, uh, are the founders of the Churches of Christ uh, in steps, if you will, uh, separated by a couple hundred years. Um, and so I feel like I probably need to do some, uh, do some work with Calvinism and maybe later with, uh, <laughs> sorry, I almost said cam cannibalism, but I meant Campbell, Campbell, um, Alexander Campbellism, not cannibalism. Uh, we didn't eat people, although anyway, um, but Calvin's the first one, you know, and and I think his theology is is incredibly what's the word I'm going to look for for a certain kind of person for certain types of people his theology is very desirable it answers a lot of questions uh, not correctly you ask me, but it, it does answer questions, right? Who's going to heaven? How do you go to heaven? Um, what is God doing in all of this, right? He, he tries to answer all the questions that we have. I just think he gives poor answers, that's all. Uh, and sometimes we don't need answers. We, we just need to sit with the questions for a, for a long, long time. You know, the questions uh, are probably far more valuable than the answers. Um, so, yeah, Calvin. So, defining some of his theology, um, which I talked about a little bit last week, um, but as it as it deals with the churches of Christ, you know, he he was very much. Um, uh, I think they did infant baptism, and churches of Christ kind of pushed back against instant baptism. Uh, and they did adult baptism, or at least young adult baptism, for the remission of sins. And Churches of Christ believed that, for the most part, that baptism was necessary for salvation. It was a necessary thing. And so that what that did, where that pushes back from Calvinism, is where it says, actually, no, we do have a part in our own salvation. Right, that we we have a part to play in our salvation. We have some things that we really need to do, and one of those, one of those is baptism. Another one of those is to continue to live a good life. That uh, Churches of Christ didn't necessarily believe in once saved, always saved. Um, now, interestingly enough, uh, confirmation of salvation was something that the Calvinists, uh, I think, championed, and especially, I think, later later groups, possibly in the First Awakening or the Second Awakening, where they believed that you would have some kind of an inner mystical experience that would confirm your salvation uh, after you were infant baptized. So you were baptized when you are an infant, but later you would have a confirmation that you would have some kind of an inner assurance of your salvation uh, between you and God, you would have a mystical or a real experience with God um, that you would perceive to be uh, as a confirmation of your salvation. Now, I, I do agree that that 
mystical experiences happen. I've had some mystical experiences, which confirmed for me the reality that Christ knew who I was and was involved in my life. Uh, and and yes, I I think I think um, personal experience is very very much a part of should be expected of, of what it means to be a follower of Christ, right? Without personal experience, uh, I feel like, um, you know, we're just kind of making a guess, almost an estimate uh, that Christ exists. But the personal experience is an assurance uh, that Christ is indeed involved and, and um, witnessing your life uh, and is there alongside you. And I've had those experiences, but where I think some of the early churches in the what they call the Great Awakening and the Second Awakening, and I think there's even a Third Awakening, maybe, uh, is that you will have a confirmation at some point of your salvation, which is also important. Now, I I, I think. Mm, I think that there's some danger here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's been a long day. I think there's some danger that if if you're only looking for uh, these uh, this confir- this confirmation experience of Christ, uh, if if you're anticipating it too much, uh, I think what can happen is that you you will create that in your mind, that your mind will kind of, um, make something up like that. That's a possibility. I think the best kind of confirmation comes out of nowhere, unexpected and kind of, kind of, you know, takes you by surprise. I think that's probably a a better way to have it. Um, but if you seek it too much, I, I think, uh, I think you'll probably see what you want to see, you know, maybe. I'd love some pushback on that if you think it's warranted, though. I, I really want to think about that more deeply. Um, uh, but yeah, the where I, I think Churches of Christ, where, where they would kind of agree with Calvin, is that in the doctrine of the elect, I think Churches of Christ kind of took it in a direction of well, we have the truth, therefore we are the elect. The elect will come from the churches of Christ and nowhere else. Now that's a doctrine that seemed to have come into the churches of Christ at some point. right? We believed that we were getting it so right that we were the elect, right? that everybody else was going to hell. Now, John Calvin wouldn't say something so blatantly... Um, scary, you know that's kind of scary religion, if you ask me. I think John Calvin would have been much more humble about that. I'm not sure he would have ever even. Maybe I'm wrong, so I'm not an expert on Calvin. Maybe, he, maybe he never would have said that for 100 percent sure that he is the elect, right? Um, maybe he would have. I don't know. I don't know how how that came about. But I do know that there are parts of restorationism and reformationism that were striving for more of an ecumenical acceptance of one another, even though we're not in the same, uh, in the same traditions. 
Uh, but churches of Christ seem to have gone away from that. Uh, and so they kind of bent Calvinism even farther in their, uh, their um, doctrine of the elect uh, and basically said you have to be Church of Christ uh, to be one of the elect because we're the only ones that are following the Bible as it was meant to be followed in the, in the first century way. Uh, doing, what was it, some of the sayings, doing Bible, th- Bible things... doing Bible things in Bible ways or something. Bible something. They had a little poem that they used to say. Um, uh, Actually, that may have come from Calvinism, now that I think about it. John Calvin was somebody who was very much into following Scripture to the letter. Right? Following Scripture to the letter. Um, And so what he did was he he did away with the idea that the Catholic Church held. They held that basically there were three, uh, three, three ways that we followed God. One was following the Bible, but the other, and equal to it, was following the tradition. And maybe one other that, that was equal to that was following the Pope himself. That, that these three authorities existed. Tradition, uh, and maybe also known as the Church, Scripture, right? The holy, the holy books, uh, but also the Pope himself, right? Uh, and so John Calvin tossed that out and he said, no, sola scriptura, only scripture, only the Bible is the authority of how we can live. And so the churches of Christ definitely, uh, accepted that doctrine from Calvinism and, and continue to run with that today. Uh, the problem is they don't define scripture in the same way Calvin did. So, you know, to, to take his uh, doctrine but not uh, interpret it the same way is kind of iffy, if you ask me. Uh, perhaps we should challenge more of what we think Calvin was uh, into because of that. Um, uh other doctrines. Now, another doctrine is, I'm not sure how Calvin did this, but this is how the Presbyterians did it. They had, the, the presbyt, presbyters were elders, and they believed that each congregation should be overseen by elders, local elders. And so they did away with the, the Pope and the cardinals and the, the overseeing hierarchy of the Catholic Church. That's something else that they they did away with. And Churches of Christ also maintained that type of uh, local hierarchy uh, to the point where they believe that churches should be autonomous, uh, locally autonomous, and not be holding to any kind of an overarching, uh, overseeing uh, hierarchy of any kind, uh, except that of the local church. And that was Elders who led the church, elders, deacons, and then the, you know, the teachers and things like this. And one of the teachers was the preacher, um, and so they really tried to have a more local-based hierarchical system. And I think that's a a uh, uh, something that they held over from Calvinism. Uh, they maintained uh, Calvin's uh, hierarchical structure, which is more local-based. Um, hmm. What else? Uh, 
sola scriptura. Yeah. So these are these are things that, uh, in some ways, um, did influence churches of Christ, but in some ways we changed them just a bit. There are a couple big time doctrines, of course, that we. Uh, I say we because I grew up in that tradition, so I understand it well. Now, as I've said before, I no longer adhere to the doctrines of the churches of Christ. Uh, I think foundationally they are flawed um, as I understand them. Okay, I say as I understand them because I think theology uh, is a progressive thing. It changes from generation to generation, and I hope it's getting... It's, it's trending toward the truth more and more. That would be something that would be really great to witness. Um, and I think to some extent that's happening. Um, yeah, so that, that's a good thing. Now I'm realizing right now that I totally took this in a different direction. Um, then I went this morning. I don't remember the direction I took it this morning. Um, that's the nature of how this works. If I don't get the recording, uh, I have nothing to fall back on. Uh, perhaps I should be recording with my phone at the same time I'm recording with my recorder just to have some redundancy. That would be something possible I could do. Um, yeah. But you know what? I'm probably going to just go ahead and cut this off here pretty quickly. I'm, I think I've probably done enough to have a 30 minute or so um, podcast that I can post tonight. Uh, I need to end with some with some Jesus talk though. Um, I really believe with all my heart that Jesus gave us all the theology we need. All of the foundational theology can be found in Christ. And one of the places it can be found in Christ, uh, I think, is probably within yourself. I think there's good in you. Uh, And I think without much outside help, you know what's right. You know what's good to do. Uh, I think the image of Christ has given us a conscience I do believe, however, that you may have gone so far down a dark road that your conscience no longer uh, is um, accessible by you, that you've, you've uh, practiced ignoring it for so long that you no longer hear it at all. That's possible. I do believe that there is a way for you to get back. And one of the ways for you to get back is to read about Jesus in the Gospels. The four books that were written about his life by his followers uh, that contain the words that he said and the things that he did and uh, the people whom he loved. Um, I think that's one great way to to do it. And the other great way would be to find somebody uh, who is good that can start influence your life, influencing your life. Somebody who is who does things for others. Somebody who looks outside themselves uh, and uses the resources that they've been blessed with to bless others, right? Uh, None of these people are going to be perfect. 
your reading about Jesus is not going to be perfect, and your following the following of your own conscience is not going to be perfect. But I think if you will just try, try to look into these three areas, I think you'll start trending toward goodness and start understanding the goodness of Christ. Um, and ex- it exists around you somewhere. You may have to look for it. You know, you may have to seek it out. Uh, but I think you can. Um, Uh, but that foundational theology, right? And again, theology is just what you believe to be true about God, right? The study of God, the knowledge of God. Uh, if you can get to a good foundational theology, and I, I believe, for, for me, that the foundational theology is that God is love. That God has nothing but love for the world, for you, for everyone uh, and that is the foundational truth on which all of the other thoughts about God must grow from, right? Everything we believe about God must grow out of his love. And if it doesn't, then we're missing out. And I think this is where Calvin got it wrong. I think Calvin and also Jonathan Edwards got it wrong. They believed that God was angry, uh, that God was vengeful, um, that God would take life, right? Uh, That God, through his sovereignty, uh, would punish us and take our lives if he saw fit. The problem with that theology is that it does not grow out of love. It does not grow out of love, and it does not grow out of love for the entire creation, right? Where, you know, John said, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. Right? Um, so God's love for the world, for his creation, and his untiring, unwavering devotion to that creation, to the point where he is promised to set it right. Right? To make it good again. Uh, and and all of creation, not, not, not just some, but all of creation. If your foundation can be built on that, if that can be the, the way that you think about God and everything else you believe about God grows forth from that, from those roots, then I think you're going to be in a good place. And I think you'll start to see the world around you change. Uh, it'll be a brighter place. It'll be a happier place. It'll be a place where people's needs are actually met, right? Um, because that's the God people need. Life is hard. Life is full of tragedy. Uh, life is full of uh, sadness and want. Uh, we really need God to be that, right? We need God to, to love us and to be for us and to be on our side. That's the God that we all need. Now all we have to do is just believe that that's the God we have. That's the God who Christ was. That's what he did. He came and started meeting everybody's needs. Now yes, some people needed to be rebuked. Some people needed to be called out. Right? 
And the people that Jesus called out were the people that were increasing the pain of other people around them. The people with authority. But he came to alleviate that pain. To take away the pressures of trying to live up to some unattainable measure of greatness or goodness. Right? Um, build your theology on that. God is love. That, those are the roots of good theology. Everything else must grow out of that and must be consistent with that. It can't be God is love and God hates his enemies. God does not hate his enemies. God cannot hate. That's not the nature of God. We already talked talked about that God cannot and does not and will not ever go against his nature because his nature is love. He cannot hate. Okay. Um... Yeah, I don't know how else to say that better. Really don't. Build your foundation on God is love. Your theological foundation on God is love. And everything else will fall into place. Doesn't mean you don't have to be diligent about uh, making sure that everything you believe uh, is attached to those roots. Oh my goodness, person. You just gotta pull out in front of me. All right. It's your funeral. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'll leave it right there. It's a pretty good place to get to, I uh, think, I think. Well, I think, I think. All right. Um, well, this probably went a little bit longer than it would have had I have recorded it this morning, but I think it got to an all right place. So we'll uh, talk to you guys later. Enjoy this uh, two-part podcast. I'll have to put it together later um, hopefully I'll do it tonight and get that up as soon as I can I have to uh, do some editing So, alright, thank you guys, we'll talk to you later bye bye how do I turn it off? how do I turn it off? I don't remember it's down here so I, nope. I don't even know alright, well I'll turn it off when I stop up here. It's so dark I can't see. All right, let's see here. There we go.